Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Gospel Forum podcast. We are a collective of Reformation-minded Christians who care about the local church and doctrinal truth. Um, If you are not familiar with the Gospel Forum, please visit us on our website, thegospelforum.com, where you can find the latest theological content and latest episodes of this podcast. Make sure to to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app or on our YouTube channel. I'm joined today again by two brothers that are friends of mine. To my left is... Sean Otto. Good to be here. To my right... Alan Quinones, good to be here. Alan, great to have you. But where is your shirt? <laughs> Alan, I mean, come we're on. all wearing gospel <laughs> forum shirts, and wow. I have been left out today. <laughs> oh, okay, it's my, it's our fault. It's our fault. Yeah, Alan, um, Alan is. Uh, this is his second episode, and we have to get him a shirt, and we will do that uh, mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, well, welcome, brother. Your Thanks. shirt is very nice. Thank anyway. you. <laughs> you. You look very, very best good. I could yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, two weeks ago, you wore that same shirt. Again. That's right. I'm still yeah. wearing the same shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's because we record two episodes in one day. This is the second episode of the day. Anyway, well, we are recording two episodes a month, so um, usually in the beginning and end of the month. So uh, you're going to be listening to this near the end of June. So uh, anyway, well, let's get right to the heart of the matter, friends. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the subject of faith and politics. Mm-hmm. Usually those two topics cause a lot of turmoil <laughs> in family life and uh, friendships, and sometimes they're wanting to be divided and separate, and um, and they cause a lot of division. Mm-hmm. And so really we're, what we're going to be talking about today is how do these two, you know, faith and politics intersect in the mm-hmm. Christian life? Is there a separation? Should there be a separation? Uh, when is idolatry present and manifesting itself in this way? And I think there's just a lot of talk ab- about this lately. There's some Christians who think other Christians are too political and say they need to dial it down a little bit and uh, just worry about the gospel. Uh, there's other Christians that are saying, we are worried about the gospel, but you guys aren't too concerned about what's going on in the world and speaking um, about uh, righteousness in the face of all this heresy and, and untruth. And so there's a way to live that God has called us to live that we could live appropriately. So let's just flesh this out, guys. What are your opening comments on this sure. on this topic? Yeah, uh, just to start with, I think that we need to uh, take a step back and uh, look at the philosophical underpinnings of even the discussion of whether faith and politics should be mingled with one another. Uh, We can trace all of this back to Kantian uh, philosophy. Uh, Immanuel Kant uh, made a distinction between uh, everything that is religion, you know, the, the what we can know, and then what is unknown that is related to God. And so there's this big chasm uh, according to his 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 uh, worldview, that uh, precludes one from the other. Mm-hmm. Y- your your political life is here. Your life of uh, your religious life is over here. They're completely separate. And so uh, at this point now, you know, down the stream in twenty first century, we're still speaking of faith and politics. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is not how things have ever been seen before. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So what he's saying is there's there's seeming this division of sacred and secular mm -hmm. that some people have. And this is my sacred life, and that's the secular Correct. life, and, and the two are distinct. Is, is that true, Sean? Yeah, well, I, I think sometimes I mean, we think of politics, especially in America, we think of Republicans and Democrats. But when you think about uh, politics and, and, and what that means, mm -hmm. um, uh, politics has a leader, uh, and it has a set of laws, right? And so uh, in the same way, all religion is political. We mm -hmm. also have a, a leader. We have a king. His name is Jesus. Right. Uh, and we have a set of laws. It's, it's, it's live from the scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. So all religion is political in that sense, if you think about mm -hmm. political. Um, and we can also say all politics is religious, meaning every political system has a god okay mm -hmm. so in our use of this word we have a god it's a big g god it's it's yahweh and of course the trinity we, have, we so we have a, a god all other political systems uh, also have gods and we would say they're little g gods mm -hmm. and so that everyone's living uh, and worshiping some kind of a god. Yes. In the United States, that god uh, most often is self-autonomy. Mm -hmm. So um, you can't say anything that prevents me from living how I want to live. And so any law or religion or system that gets in my way of self-autonomy uh, is disregarded or, or, or pushed out. So in those sense. All religion is political, and all politics is religious. So the two, again, they over they overlap. You can't just yank them apart and pretend that they don't. Yeah. And really what we're talking about is having a worldview. And this is a way you see the world, and you see issues and, and life. And everyone has a certain worldview. For a Christian, of course, our worldview should be a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. The Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. And so... What does the Bible say about it? What has God already decreed or declared on this topic? That is how my thinking should be influenced in this way. Mm -hmm. um, Tom Askell has once said, all life is theological. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good summation of what we were just talking about there. All of life is theological. There is not a distinction or, 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 I mean, there's not, a, there's not a separation of how I live my secular life versus mm -hmm. my sacred life. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing. There's just your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's your right. life under God as right. a Christian uh, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, being his people and bearing his name uh, to the world. Mm -hmm. And so having this mindset, this worldview that, hey, here's an issue, here's a topic, here's some, some, someone or something, how am I supposed to think about that? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing a Christian ought to do is what has God said about it? What do the mm -hmm. scriptures teach on that? Sure. Uh, what, are, what are some um, you know, points underneath there that might reference something here that should influence where I come to a final decision on that topic? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we get a lot of trouble mm -hmm. is you have some Christians that say, I want to separate the two because being political, you don't get to share the gospel too much, and, and I don't care about the drama, so I'm just staying out of that. Mm -hmm. But then God has called us to live in a certain way, and if we ignore it, then we get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. Sure. And, and I think because we live in a secular society, uh, what secular society says is keep your religion out of the public square. 
Uh, and as Christians, sometimes we accept that premise. And so mm-hmm. we try to, when in fact, I can't do that. My theology informs my private life as well as my public life. And so I have to bring my God right. into the public square um, because that's who I am. That's my greatest allegiance. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, not only that, but also uh, what what those people failed to realize is that it was your religion that actually framed, that gave the foundation to the political system that they're standing on and the political system that they actually are are without knowing destroying. Because as long as you say, God needs to be out of the picture. You're headed toward uh, cultural destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Christian faith. It was a full-fledged Calvinism that gave us the the political system that we have now. Separations of power. Uh, I was reading this in Isaiah, where where Isaiah says uh, uh, Yahweh is our is our king. Yahweh is our lawgiver. Yahweh is our judge. There are the, the those offices that we can now partition, right? Mm-hmm. Executive, legislation, le- legislative, and judicial. We mm-hmm. we end up partitioning them because of human depravity. That's right. that's right. an understanding of man, right? Right. That 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 determines how it is that we that we implement, you know, checks and balances and, and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that We are assuming a certain anthropology there mm-hmm. that, that comes from scripture or from paganism. Right. And, and so when you get into political discussions uh, and, and, and you have, a, a, you know, leftist party uh, propaganda that wants to, wants to accommodate uh, human depravity, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's theology. Mm-hmm. Theology coming course, through yeah. in, in politics. Right. Right. And so there's, you know, where, where the left or more liberal people or atheists would say, keep your religion out of my politics. Well, we could say, well, your religion is in my politics. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has a religion. Right. And that's the thing. Right? Everyone yeah. worships. Everyone is was created to worship. That's our propensity. We're going to worship something or someone. Everyone has a set of beliefs that is founded on some principle. And so it's impossible to separate them. Mm-hmm. So what you believe is influencing what you are pushing as for legislation and how this country should be run. And mm-hmm. so am I. And so, of course, as Christians, we're saying that it should be a biblical perspective. Right. Um, so what does the Bible say about these things, guys? Uh, I know there's many passages that we could probably go to, uh, Romans 13. But let's just focus just for a few minutes on, on 1 Peter chapter 2. First uh, Peter chapter two, Peter's admonition here to his readers on how to be submissive to authority, and second, it's in First Peter two thirteen. Uh, I'll just read it and then stop me if you want to make a comment or, or let, let's just walk through the text here because I think this is really good. Peter says, "Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor." as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the emperor. What do we see from that passage that tells us or, or dictates to us how believers ought to live? Well, right there in verse 16 at the end, it says, live as servants of God. And so there's no, there's no 
um, uh, parameters to say, well, only in this sphere should you live as a servant of God. But in fact, we should live as a servant of God in every sphere. Uh, And then you see it overlapping with verse 17, which as a servant of God, I actually honor the emperor. I honor the human institutions that God has ordained Mm. um, for good. And that is course is what we're to be doing and let's be careful here he's not talking about republicans or democrats is he right he's talking about the roman emperor right right? caesar right honor the i mean here here's the guy who's ordering the slaughter of christians Mm -hmm. and paul says honor him Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. why because he's his position has been given to him by god God, the sovereign God, has put him in that position of power, mm. and you are to be submissive to him. And when you are submissive to him, you're submissive to him as unto God. However, government itself is a servant of God, mm-hmm. right? And so this is this is a big debate over the last couple of years now during the pandemic about certain governments closing down churches and telling them they weren't allowed to meet. Right. But here's... That's an, I think that's an abuse of Romans 13. Well, government says I can't go to church, so I'm not going to go to church. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, <laughs> the government is a, is a minister of God, a servant of God as well. And so I obey government as long as the government is obeying God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what he's basically saying here. As you live underneath this, the, this emperor, you live as, as a servant of God, mm-hmm. knowing that he, the emperor, is also a servant of God. He may not love me, obey me, care for me at all, but you obey him as long as he obeys me, mm-hmm. as long as he's doing his God-given purpose. Um, and he mentions here, which is punishing the evildoer, um, and, and, and by doing so, we silence the ignorance of foolish people, um, not using this as a cover-up for evil, honor the emperor, fear God, and so on. So the, I think this passage is great in bringing in perspective the balance there of sec, secular and sacred, that there's no distinction, but it's all under the authority of God. Correct. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. So in what ways can this be abused? So there's criticisms from, I would say, more moderate to left-leaning Christians. I, and maybe that's not an appropriate description. To say that Christians who care too much about politics, they call them Christian nationalists. Mm. What would you say about that? First of all, what is a Christian nationalist? And is that even a right um, indictment, accusation? Mm. Um, And when can this political thing become an idol? Mm. Well, I... I don't know if this is a formal definition of a Christian nationalist because I I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> I'm going to quote yeah, you all lot, over the place. So you got to be, be careful. Uh, but y- usually when it's said in an accusatory kind of way, uh, it's any Christian who would dare to comment on a, what, a political or a social issue of our day. And often it's made in an attempt to, to silence that discussion. Uh, and so... Uh, I would say as a Christian, uh, we are called to be aware of what's going on in our culture. We, we are called to speak to it from a biblical, theological uh, perspective. Um, and so uh, someone who uses uh, Christian nationalists in a, in a derogatory kind of way, I think sort of 
has their head in the sand. So they're they're trying to say we can just we can just live our Christian life and we can just avoid what's going on out there. It's kind of a uh, withdraw from society, and mm-hmm. so uh, we are not of the world, but we are in the world, right? And so we should be aware. So I, I think that's where I would at least start with that conversation, which is, uh, I think, an unfair description of a person who speaks to a political issue. Not necessarily a person or a candidate telling you you got to vote for this, but an issue mm-hmm. um, that uh, clearly the Bible has something to say about. Yeah, I think sometimes this accusation gets thrown out because, you know, you know, Christians, or at least conservative evangelical Christians, for the most part, vote Republican. Mm-hmm. And so um, they back the Republican candidate, even though the Republican candidate is extremely flawed. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've seen this recently, too, mm-hmm. uh, in, in our recent history, where um, Donald Trump, of course, was not the most moral person, mm-hmm. um, saying some things that were kind of cringeworthy of mm-hmm. what we didn't want to hear as, as Christians. But yet his platform and the things that he was standing for were things that Christians could agree. They fell into the right, proper role of government and as far as uh, the issues of life and, and uh, those types of things. Of course, Christians didn't agree with him 100%. But for some, for a Christian to even support Trump was, was anathema to some. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? To, to vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those... Well, you just you're just behind us to be a Christian. That I I don't understand that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's it's, and, and some would rather not vote at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are a whole other issues and probably another ten more podcasts uh, <laughs> worth of content there. But um, that what are your thoughts on that, Alan? About this? I mean, I think I go back to uh, even questioning. What is so bad about Christian nationalism? There you go. <laughs> I mean, uh, I am a Christian. That is my identity. I, I am, uh, I am, have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, and that informs everything that I say and believe. Uh, on the other hand, I do believe in the concept of, of nations, and I believe that God has uh, determined boundaries, uh, and that he, nations are uh, good for, for society. It, it, it keep, for the world itself, it keeps us from each other. Uh, because even uh, in the end, uh, what what you'll have, you know, you can go back to to Babel at the beginning when you have uh, the the idea uh, that God has designed nations to to spread across the way, and one of the ways, or or human beings to 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 be fruitful and multiply and 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 take dominion of of the planet Earth, correct? But uh, if we all end up banding together, that works against God's purpose mm. for us. And so nations are actually a blessing uh, yeah. designed by him right. as, a, as a way to, to uh, protect us even from our own sinful inclinations. And actually, what, is, what happens at the end of, of, of the world, right? It's, 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 a, it's a coalition of all that is ungodly and the, kingdoms, uh, the kingdom of man, mm-hmm. correct? So there's nothing wrong with nationalism as far as I see it. Um, so a Christian, if we define it that way, right? Because right, we could define nationalism as uh, something else entirely. Right. Exactly. No, I'm right with you. So, so is it sinful for a Christian to be patriotic? Not at all. I would agree. Yeah, but some would say that it might be. Right. Right. I'm with you. But see, these are just issues that yeah. we're facing, and uh, if you're on Twitter, you see them. If you're not on Twitter, 
you're doing wonderful in life. <laughs> um, so, but although you can be patriotic about Ukraine right now, that's that's, that's right. culturally um, right allowed, and, and that is so odd because some some of evangelicals that are crying against so-called Christian nationalism are celebrating the the Ukrainian nationalism right. of of the fighters there and. It seems like such a contradiction. Right. Say, why is that okay, but it's not okay here? I, mean, I think when we talk about being uh, patriotic, whether that's the United States or... Uh, we're not saying everything that our government does is godly, is right. Uh, but it's a sense of, I, I'm a part of, I'm a citizen in an earthly sense of, of this place. And so I want to support it. Uh, and, and I want to pray for this country. I want to pray for its leaders. I, w I want to do what I can to better uh, this society, which I think is what you're talking about too, that nations were designed for human flourishing. So how do I, how do I participate in that process? And so I'm very thankful to live in a country where you're allowed to, at least for now, openly uh, practice our, our faith. Um, but I also recognize there are Christians around the world uh, that are also uh, patriotic in, in that sense. And so uh, it's good. Can it become idolatrous? And I think maybe that's where uh, some of the issues start to come in. Uh, of course. Yes, can. because if someone is saying you need to be an American to be a good Christian, Right. Then that's a bad form of Christian nationalism. Yes, right. and that is very true, but how often does it happen? Right, exactly. The, the assumption of Christian nationalism here goes back to uh, uh, this, this assumption, right? Uh, so, so we're all assuming that uh, Christianity is evil, right? Mm -hmm. This is what's, what's going on. And somehow, if I allow uh, a, a, a Christian who practices his faith into office, into office, then that person is, and this is where it, it leads to, this person is going to restrict my ability to sin. Mm -hmm. Because uh, people will go as far as the law will allow them in sin. Mm -hmm. That is illustrated in the issue of abortion. Um, how many children have been murdered since uh, Roe v. Wade? Because it's illegal. And so uh, sinners will, will go as far as the law allows them to. Mm -hmm. Sure, some will go past that point. Um, some will just dance around the line. But for the majority, what they want is uh, f uh, for the government to, yeah. to approve their wicked behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why the, 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 the stress on, on homosexual marriage, mm -hmm. on transgender laws. It's always a push toward turning uh, law in favor of, of uh, evil and wickedness and against everything that God commands. Right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, in, in his great commission, when Jesus told us to go make disciples... He did so in the authority, with the statement saying that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Mm -hmm. The new heavens and new earth, Peter describes, is a place where righteousness dwells, mm -hmm. right? And so, I mean, I guess we could approach this one of two ways. We could say, well, one day it's all going to be good, right? So I shouldn't have to fight for anything now, right? Mm -hmm. So let this world just, you know, destroy itself and I don't need to care about anything because one day God's going to make it all right. But Peter says, live as servants of God. Mm -hmm. So I think a part of our faith and part of the way we should live as servants of God 
knowing that Christ has all authority over every realm on this earth, is that we should fight for righteousness in every in every corner we see it. Right? This is this is not unloving. This is loving. Because we know that sin hurts and destroys, but righteousness exalts a nation, the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And so let's fight for righteousness. We there's never going to be a perfect candidate, right? There's never going to be a, a holy candidate. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be a person we agree with a hundred percent. But as long as that person is is supporting righteousness, and they might they may not even be a believer, right? But still God is using them. To, to work his will in, in this way. Mm-hmm. And I think we ought to support that, knowing that no matter who gets into office, we're going to have disagreements and say, yeah, they're a terrible person. Mm-hmm. But their platform says that we're trying to change this. We're trying to do that. I mean, if, if anything, I think one of the greatest, uh, of course, it hasn't happened yet. It might have happened by the time this comes out. The Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade would be monstrum, a monumental victory and you know for the pro-life movement and by God's sovereignty if that's why he allowed Trump to be president for those 4 years mm-hmm. so that we could have those supreme court justices to swing the vote that way then praise God mm-hmm. and ultimately are we not saying that God is sovereign mm-hmm. so whether there's a terrible person in office or a good person in office God's will will still be accomplished mm-hmm. But we ought to fight for righteousness in every in every sure. avenue of life. And I think one of the things that we need to think about when we think about this thing of politics uh, is uh, where where does a Christian's influence have the most effect? And so often when we think about politics, we're thinking about national platforms. And so we have the ability to vote, um, but maybe not have much influence beyond that. As Christians, our commission, as you mentioned, is to make disciples which should immediately join what? They should join the local church. Mm -hmm. And so in our local church, we should see this atmosphere of righteousness and and holy living. And so we often talk about politics out there, but even inside the church, if we say, hey, we are for family values, that's what we're for. Okay, well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like husbands loving your wives. It looks like uh, wives respecting your husbands. It looks like training up our children to honor and respect uh, authority. If we say, you know, we're, we're against abortion, and we are, well, what does it look like in our church? Well, it looks like we're supporting this single mother or orphans. Like our churches become embassies, if you think about them in that way, embassies uh, that shine uh, this theological truth that we have to offer. And it begins to change our community, uh, which then begins to change our region and ultimately, hopefully, even our nation. And so don't I guess for me, don't discount that the purpose and the role of the church yeah. uh, as we think about politics, right? Absolutely. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah, because what you have is is a, is, a, is an outward movement. It begins with me and then my family and then my church and then out, out there in society. Mm-hmm. And this speaks also to what you had said before of if a person is overly concerned about politics and who am I going to vote for, et cetera, et cetera, the question for that person would be, but but what's going on first and foremost within you mm-hmm. and then within your family yeah. and then within your church? What are you doing to better your church? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then beyond that, what are you doing to see the righteousness of Christ spread through your society by right. the way that you vote or the candidate that you stand for? Right. Absolutely. 
And I think maybe that's too where politics can become idolatrous. If I'm only watching politics on the news all the time uh, and just consumed with, with that, and I'm never in the word of God, I'm never worshiping, I'm never serving in my church, yeah, now your politics has become idolatrous and you right. need to repent. And like you said, start with you uh, being, and start with your church where you're going to make more of a difference right. than being consumed and ultimately worried and, and stressed out about right. national or politics. Or, are you, or if you are more consumed about you know, campaigning for a certain person to win an election and then never tell anyone about Christ? Mm, right. I mean, what what have you done? Who's really your king? Who's really your king? <laughs> at that point, right. And, and I mean, that says a lot about your worldview, your eschatology, your belief mm-hmm. about who God is. And I and I think there's some, some well-meaning Christians that can get this backwards and fall into this idolatrous trap. So we're not saying not to do it. We're saying do it, but do it as a servant of God, as Peter has instructed us. But also doing it under no understanding that God is sovereign and King, Jesus has all authority, and uh, you don't need to separate the two. Matter of fact, it's impossible because every everyone operates from that perspective mm-hmm. of something, some God in their life uh, or place of authority. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, when we you mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Faith and politics; those are the thing. Man, if you want to, if you want to destroy Thanksgiving lunch, uh, bring up faith or politics, right? right. So, how do we you know, engage with people? I think one of the things that we need to do is, as Christians is, as I engage with someone who maybe even differs with me, um, we're not looking to score points. We're, we're not looking to, you know, beat them over the head. Um, but we're also not afraid as Christians to bring in to bring God into that conversation, into what does the Bible have to say about this issue? Um, And I think that's where sometimes as Christians, we're afraid to say, well, the Bible says this because we are fearful of rejection or whatever. Um, But if Jesus is our king and he has the final say, um, then in a gracious, winsome kind of way, we're willing to engage with people who differ from us and bring in our theological worldview into that situation. Yeah, I just think we can't be afraid to speak truth. Right. You know, I, I think, um, you know, we're always going to fear something. A fear always drives us whether we talk about this or don't talk about that. A fear of people, fear of approval, fear of rejection. Ultimately, I think we need to have a fear of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's exactly what Peter says in his passage. Honor everyone. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think we need to be respectful in sure. our conversations. We need to treat other people even though they may, may be on the total opposite spectrum of what we believe. Uh, the thing there is honor everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, love the brotherhood. So love right. your church family. Love mm-hmm. believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I think that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you show mm-hmm. respect. You speak truth. And you can't live as a servant of God and hide from the truth. You can't be a servant of God and not say what God has said right. or seeking for his will in this world. Right. And so I think we have to do it, you know, realizing that, yeah, this may, this may disrupt some relationships I have in my life. But then you have to weigh, you have to weigh what's important. Mm-hmm. You know, does my relationship with that person matter more so that I won't offend them with this particular thing? Or does my allegiance to Christ 
and my call to live a certain way in this world, what, what weighs more? Mm-hmm. And of course, there's a good way and a bad way of doing that. Sure. There's, there's ways that are properly motivated and ways that are just uh, sinful. So I think you have to be careful about that. Um, but you also have to be bold and, and truthful. And I think, I think John MacArthur was a great example of this dur- during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alan actually had a firsthand experience there of being a, a, a part of that church there at Grace Community. And he saw firsthand ha- how that looked like. Do you want to share briefly about maybe what you saw there as, as literally governments and church was colliding there in Sun Valley, California, with John MacArthur Center Stage? Yeah, I would, I would just have to say that it was one of the most exciting times of my life. Uh, and as I, as I know, as, as John MacArthur himself has said, uh, one of the most exciting times of, of the church uh, itself, because uh, what we were seeing at that time was uh, was a show of the fact that the kingdom of God is not dependent in any way upon the kingdoms of men. Mm-hmm. Wow, amen. And uh, God, God, we're in, we're on the winning side, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and whether we suffer persecution or whether in that case uh, there was victory on the political end. Um, it, it's that is God's that is God's choice, mm-hmm. um, and 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 we serve Him willfully, and we see Him see Him do what He wants to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in, in, in on that occasion, it was uh, exciting to see how uh, a church that had been faithful and and had treated uh, their governing authorities very well. You know, uh, Grace Community Church is very uh, respectful of the police community in the L.A. uh, area, so that when push came to shove and officers were asked to arrest uh, pastors there, uh, the the LAPD was unwilling to to (laughs) carry out those orders, right? Praise God. Uh, Because the church had shown a willingness uh, to obey these passages mm-hmm. over the uh, honoring the authority mm-hmm. right uh, serving serving the lord by being deferential to the police mm-hmm. uh, um, um, supporting them in their work praying for them yeah. and so when it came down to um, you know wicked government officials wanting uh, you know police officers to carry out carry out wicked uh, uh, you know, assault on pastors, then, then no, that's not going to happen. Right. It could have happened. It could have gone the other way. Uh, but that's, again, that's, that's Mm -hmm. the Lord's uh, choice there. And we can just rejoice Mm -hmm. and and see what he does. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, great. Uh, I think John, there's even a documentary coming out. I believe so. About that whole ordeal. So look out for that. We'll try to share that when that comes out, uh, with you all. So, Well, guys, this has been another fruitful conversation. Thank you for your participation in it. And thank you for watching another episode of the Gospel Forum podcast. Check out our website, gospelforum.com, for more information. But until next time, keep keep on on reforming. reforming.